Is it this one? Okay, we're going to pray for Nika right here with laying hands on her. Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true and just the, the great truths that you have taught us and are teaching us from Exodus, a, a passage written so long ago. Father, we thank you for Nika. We thank you for um, the preparation that she has done. We thank you for the words and the thoughts and the lessons that she, you have given her that she'll share with us, Father. And we just lift her to you now. Just pray that you would bless her words. Um, help each of us to just get rid of the worries of the day, the worries of our homes and lives and world, and just help us to focus on you, Father. It's all about you. We thank you for your faithfulness and for your word. Thank you for Nika. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for this mic. All right. Check, check, check. There we go. Moses never had to deal with this. No microphones back then. Elizabeth, thanks for praying for me. Never felt so close to you. Uh, if it's okay with you guys, I want to back us up just a little bit in the story because I think it's important that we know how we got to today in order to understand what's happening in the story. Um, we told you guys in the beginning that this is a story about a God who keeps his promises. And so far we've seen that come, come true over and over again. We saw a God who said, I'm gonna come redeem and rescue my people. We watched him rescue a baby out of a basket. We watched him rescue the people out of Egypt to redeem them, to make them his own. But what's happening is we're starting now to transition into the second half of Exodus. I congratulate all of you. You made it to chapter 18. This is the last lesson of the fall. This is the last lesson of 2015. It's also the last time I'll be wearing these pants because this is the Pantone of the year and next year is a new color. So I just wanted to get them in one last time. Thanks to Alex Wagner who reminded me my time was limited. So uh, I'm just kidding. You'll see them next year. I'm not that fashionable. So, um, so yeah, so now that we're in this interesting part in the book, we're coming up, what God's going to do is he's going to make a covenant with the people of Israel. It's no longer just going to be God and Moses chummied up and the incidental people over here, but really what we're going to see is God is creating a nation for his own. And it's important that the people begin to buy into this plan that God has. And so today is really this transitional time between just God and Moses to where we're going to begin to see the people take ownership in, this, in their relationship with the Lord. And so where we end today is really going to be seeing them begin to step up and fulfill roles that God had intended for them all along. And so one of the things that I did when I was in grad school in order to pay for grad school is that I tutored for a living. I tutored math and science. Um, it was the only way that I could make any good use of my zoology degree. And I love being a tutor. Um, one of the reasons why I love being a tutor is I just love to teach. And there's something really special about taking a 15-year-old who knows nothing, because how many of y'all have a 15-year-old? Yeah, they know nothing. And so, and then after 45 minutes, suddenly they understand mitosis. It's amazing. A light bulb goes off. I love it. I love teaching and all that. But as a tutor, I know that my job is to torture these students because they're liars, okay? Students are. They don't mean to be, but you'll explain this concept to them, and they'll go, do you understand it? And they'll go, yeah. And so then I quiz them on it, test them. And you know what they do? They fail every time. I'm like, you don't understand it, you liar. And so, but what they'll do is they'll kind of, kind of weave their way in and out and ask for some helps and I'll give them some hints and they eventually get to the right answer for whatever I test them on. But you know what a good tutor does? Test them again. And you know why? Because I know the real test is coming. Like letting them squirm in their seat while their parents are paying top dollar for me to make their kid uncomfortable, that's one thing. But when they get into that classroom, that cold chair that every time you move squeaks and all of that and the test gets down, that's the real test. I'm getting them ready for the real test. And I know I can't be there with them. It's unethical and illegal, but for other reasons, they need to be able to pass it on their own, right? 
they need to be able to do this on their own. It's important that they own this information, that I'm not the one keeping all the knowledge. I'm not the one understanding mitosis, but they need to understand mitosis because you'll need that later in life for some reason. So, and so today is a little bit like that. We're gonna see that God tests the Israelites twice in the same lesson because he knows the real tests, the Amalekites, they're coming. And he also knows that Moses can't do it all. He can't be there for them every step of the way. And so they've got to begin to learn these lessons for themselves. And so let's jump on in and look at the test or the text and see the second test that's coming their way. If you remember last week, Lucina taught us about when they get to the place where the water is bitter and they throw the wood in and he makes the water sweet. We have the same test coming here again where there is no water. I wanna point out a couple of things. One, God leads them to this place. The pillar of cloud by day and fire by night has not left them. When they come up across this test, it's not because somebody had a map and chose poorly. God led them there. Sometimes God leads us to tests to show you that he will provide for your need. Sometimes God walks you into these tests so he can show you that whatever it is that you need to pass this test, he will supply you with. And so it's important that we keep that in mind. And so what do they do with this test? You would think they would do well, right? They have a second chance here. You would think they would pass it, but not only do they pass it, they just bomb it. Even Moses bombs it. You know how I know Moses bombs it? Because at three different places in the, in the Old Testament, it tells us and, and that Moses is responsible for this test as well. The last time when the people grumbled, Moses was like, hey, you need to trust God. This time when the people grumble, Moses goes to God and goes, what are you doing? They're gonna stone me. These, these words, Massa and Meribah, Massa being trying and Meribah being contending, these are strong words that Moses talks about what's going on here in the text. That word Meribah, that contending, it, sometimes we translate it as quarreling, but something stronger, it's, it's used in the courtroom as if you're, you're bringing a charge against somebody, you're, you're suing them. These people are angry at God. Did y'all catch the insult at the end? God has not left them since they've left Egypt. Like he's been with them every step of the way and they ask him, are you even with us? It'd be like going out and running a marathon and somebody jogging up alongside you going, are you gonna even run this? You'd be like, oh, okay, right? Or if you've been slaving over a hot stove and your husband gets home and he's like, babe, you gonna cook something for dinner? And you're like, mm, not for you. Yeah, they're, they're testing him is really asking the question, does his presence count or not? God's with them and that's not enough for them. And that, that's gotta be painful for a God who's given them everything. And what happens? This test comes along again, and what happens? God gives them water. They fail it again, and God gives them water. And so we learn about this is sometimes God gives us the same test because we didn't pass it the first time. And it's an incumbent upon us to not be like the Israelites here and to be ready the second time. How many times have y'all run up against something and the way you handled it, you're like, ugh, that was not great. Well, good news you may run up against it again. The holidays, how well did y'all do last year when you were with your families? Yeah. (laughs) Well, guess what? They're coming. And we have an example of what we're not supposed to do and we have an example of how God provides even when we fail. And so my question for you guys right now is just what are you doing to pass these tests? Because the reason why God's giving them these small tests is he knows the bigger test is coming. Right? Sometimes we naively believe that we can skip on all the small tests God gives us, that we can disrespect our husbands every day or we can be mean to our kids or whatever. But when the time really comes, when it really matters, when it's all really on the line and the real test comes, I'm gonna pass it. And as a tutor, I can tell you that's just not true. My kids who can't do math on Friday are not gonna pass their tests on Monday. 
Now look, I do think there are times when God gives you a big test that because of the community around you, the spirit within you, God's grace in your life, you are able to pass. I do think that there are times God gives you something, he gives you everything you can to handle it, but it is naive to think that it's okay for us to be worried about bread and water when in fact the real test of the Amalekites is coming. Sometimes God gives us these small tests to build up our character, to build up our trust, to build up our perseverance so that when the big test comes, we're ready. We're ready. And so they need to trust him. Is there any place that God has taken you that you're struggling to trust him in it? You just need to remember back to the last time he took you there and he provided for you. So that's the testing. The next one I call tired. So the real test I told you is coming. The Amalekites are a fierce, somewhat nomadic tribesmen group that, that go around plundering people. I, the last time I, taught, I told you the ability to be successful in ancient Near East is directly related to how well you can fight. And one of the things that's cool about the Amalekites is they domesticated camels so that they could come in on an animal and be swift and kill you because nothing is more intimidating than this animal riding at you. I mean, I know some of y'all aren't gonna sleep well tonight. I was like, camels, the commentary I was reading, I was like, how is that intimidating? But I guess if I'm on my feet, that might be scary. Uh, If you remember back, Amalek's actually the great grandson of Esau, who was Jacob's brother in Genesis. And so they're somewhat related here. And the Amalekites have probably gotten word that they've left Egypt with some plunder and they're coming in to take it. See, here's the real test. God is like, hey, water, now hear me. I I recognize you need water in the desert. I'm not pretending as if that's not a big deal. But water and bread are child's play when somebody's got a sword and a camel coming at you, all right? God's showing them, you need to trust me in these areas because the big episode is coming. And Moses, he bounces back pretty well here. He knows exactly what to do. And so if you ever watch an action flick, you know, all the camera work is directly on the action. It's never on the people on the sidelines being like, ooh, ah, you know, that's boring. We want to see the action. Well, what the Old Testament does actually is they take the camera lens away from the battlefield and right up to the hill because that's where the battle's actually being fought. All we know about the battlefield is that Joshua's in there with some capable men. That's all we know. We don't know anything else. We don't know if they're valiant. We don't know if they're brave. We don't know if they're good because it doesn't matter. We know that Proverbs 21:31 tells us that the horse is made ready for the day of battle, but victory rests in the Lord. That battle was won on that hill because Moses knew that the staff of God that he had in his hand was the power of God. And if you're gonna win the battle, you have to have God, period. So we don't have this grandiose tale of how the underdog Israelites somehow figure out how to wield their swords. We don't need that story because it's not what's happening here. Moses, the leader of the people, goes up to the top of the mountain and holds that sword or staff in his hand and he holds it there. And he knows that when it's raised up, they're winning. And when it's down, they're losing. Because when the power of God is elevated, good things are going to happen. But what happens is Moses inevitably gets tired. One, because he's like in his 80s. I mean, good grief. I don't know about y'all, but I get tired blow drying my hair. Anybody else? I like have to do that thing, you know, where you flip your head down, you just hold it. And I got to be really honest with you, I only blow dry my hair for a minute. Like, it's not even like, I just spit on the stage. It's not even like, uh, it's not even like I blow dry my, I mean, y'all, I mean, has anybody ever seen my hair straight? No, it's a mystery that it does its thing. So, so Moses' arms get tired and in a moment of incredible humility, make no mistake about it, a moment of incredible humility, Moses allows Aaron and her to lift up his arms. This is great. You can imagine Moses being a man. I don't mean like man, male, as in man, like human, because I'm the same way that I'd be like, I got this. I don't need y'all. I'll just, mm, sitting there the whole time. But in an incredible moment of humility, he allows others to help him demonstrate that God's power is what's gonna win this bet. 
And so what they show you in the text is that they probably rolled a stone out and Moses laid on the stone and then he had his hands up like this. So Moses and Aaron who are right here are probably just standing holding his hands, not even straining. Most of the artwork we have is showing them straining, but really their yoke was probably easy and their burden was probably light. They're not even striving here. God's doing all the work. They're just standing there watching God get his victory. It's an incredible story. And so my question to you all is, is what battle are you sitting up on the hill and your arms are just sitting there shaking that you need somebody to help you with? Because I know you have battles. I know marriages are hard. I know kids are disobedient. I know people you deeply, deeply love are getting sick. Or maybe your battle is just you look in the mirror every morning and you don't like what you see. And maybe guilt and shame is the emotion that, that you feel constantly. I just have to tell y'all, that battle is not gonna be won by staring at the battlefield and the foes in front of you. That battle is won on that hill when you look up to the power of God and ask him to win the battle for you. And if you don't have anybody there holding up your arms, I cannot encourage you enough to join community. I know it's all you hear from Watermark. I know that. I mean, I know it's our middle name. That's the joke, right? We love it so much, it's our middle name. But this is why, right? When things are good, community's often annoying, you know? Like they're like, but how about your sin? And you're like, okay, I said I was doing okay. Please don't ask that. <laughs> but it's good. You need that. But sometimes things aren't good and your arms get tired. Not because you're weak, but because you're human and therefore weak. And you've got to have an Aaron and a her by your side that you let them lift up your arms. I, I have to tell you, when I was in seminary, we would have these chapel speakers come in and they would tell us all the time, enjoy your years in seminary. This is as good as it's gonna get. And you're like, oh, well, I'm just really enjoying that. Especially if you're in your last semester and you're like, why, what's out there? Are there camels? I mean, what is happening? And, uh, and I remember they would tell us and they would always compare us to Moses. You're gonna be Moses and you're gonna get a congregation and you know what they're gonna do? They're just gonna grumble and complain. You're gonna be in the wilderness for the next 500 years in ministry, so really enjoy this. And I gotta tell y'all, that has not been my experience. You guys, my Aaron and her, in whatever small way I get to be your Moses, it has been nothing but joy to get to lead y'all through, through the emails and the encouragement and the text messages and the hugs and the, the thank yous and all of that. I just wanna tell you, I know my job up here is to come up here and punch you in the face all the time and tell you to do better, but I just want y'all to know you're doing great. You're doing great. And so thank you. From the bottom of my heart, on behalf of all of these women too, it is a joy to serve y'all. And so in whatever small ways that I am your Moses, which I am small ways, you guys are giant Aaron and hers. And so thank you for being women that it's a pleasure to go to battle with. So that's what's going on up in the hill is that sometimes the battle is big and you need people by your side. And so I just encourage you to get those people. If you don't have them, go to group link. If you can't make it to group link, just awkwardly show up to somebody's house when you know they have community and just stay there and don't leave. That's how I got my community group. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so then we move on and we go, from, we go from testing to tired to tethered. At this point, like I said, there's this transition that's coming in where the people's hearts now need to be tied to God. That in this last section, we saw Aaron and her play a part in it, but now the people really need to start taking ownership of this. And this is good. We see in the text that it says, Jethro says, it is not good for Moses to do all of the work. The truth is, is I am not your Moses. Let me tell you who your Moses is. It's Lucina Thompson. If there was ever a person that could do it all, she's the person that could do it all, if it were possible. And I can tell you it's not possible, but she's your Moses. And she's got plenty of Aaron and hers holding up her arms. 
Did y'all know that your small group leaders have leaders over them? They're actually sitting down here, right here, because they're so supportive of me that they're always on the front row. So if I know that my jokes aren't funny, I just look down, they're like, okay, it's fine, it's okay. Yeah, Kathy Ratliff, Linda Berry, Kelly Maxwell, they lead your leaders. They lead your leaders. And not only that, right now, below us, right now, your kids are being loved on by about 30 women who instead of coming in here and getting fed and being encouraged, they're down there loving and encouraging and feeding your children as volunteers. Not only that, if you come in and you enjoy the snacks or the coffee or any of those things, those didn't magically happen and Lucina didn't do it. As great as Moses is, she didn't do it because she's leading all of us. And so we've got Jennifer Pettit, we've got Aaron Howell, they've got a team below them that they come early and make us coffee and give us snacks and put up your door signs and do all of those things. Gigi and I, as much as we would love to take credit for all of this, quite frankly, inherited a ministry from Emily Rudolph. So I take all the credit and I just try to get her behind me as much as I can. I may be the Joshua in this metaphor and she was the real Moses who set the path. Yeah, there are so many people who make this happen. If you're in a small group, you owe Martha Ryan a thank you. And, and Robin Howard a thank you for putting you in a small group. And on and on and on. Those, those children's leaders who, who are feeding your children, they are being fed by Angie Brown, Cindy Campion. We've got Tracy and, and, and Mari over them who selflessly serve and give, who aren't even in touch with your kids. Don't even get to see the joy of them because they're leading leaders. And all of this is good. You know why? Because when you're partaking in God's kingdom work, you're getting to see more of God. That's why Jethro says this isn't good. That's why Jethro says, hey, Moses, even if you could, even if you could and you can't, Lucina, even if you could, and if anybody could, it would be Lucina, trust me. I've seen her walk on water. No, I haven't seen her walk on water, but, but even if she could, she would tell you she shouldn't. Because when we give away this labor, what we're all doing is giving away more and more of the kingdom of God and we're all partakers in it. And when you get to work and serve and labor for the Lord, you get to understand that when you're laboring for him, he gives you the strength. When you, when you need something, he provides. When you give out, he fills your cup back up. And so this is good that the Israelites are beginning to buy into this kingdom work of God because in the next chapter, again, they're gonna be asked, do you wanna be my people? And in order to be God's people, you gotta be in the game. And so my question for you is, where are you in the game? I know that this is one way to serve here. And, and your small group leaders, I mean, come on. Aren't they incredible? But that's just one way to serve here. There are many other ministries within our church that would love to have you serving. And when you serve, I think you'll find that you begin to take ownership in this kingdom that God has freely given to us. And so if you're sitting on the sidelines, I can't encourage you enough to get in the game because you're missing out. You're missing out. And so what's the big so what for today? Normally I tie up a nice bow on it, but I got distracted by that camel picture yesterday and I ended up looking at all these other pictures of animals. I know I got weird. And so then I was on YouTube. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, oh, I'm not, actually, I'm not kidding. But, uh, but I decided, hey, instead of tying up a nice bow on this unit, let's, because this is the last one this semester, let's just tie up a nice bow on everything we've learned from chapter one to chapter 18. Let's, let's look at everything we've learned. And what I hope you've seen is that so many times God gets a bad rap. People think that God's angry and wrathful and Jesus is kind and good. And thankfully Jesus blocks the lightning bolts from God and, and we're in good standing with him. And that could not be farther from the truth. And I think so many times the Old Testament is God's resume where he's going, no, 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 I love you. I love you. We told you in the beginning, he's a God who can't break his promises. And since he can't break his promises, he can't stop loving you. We've seen that where he comes to the people and he goes, I heard your cries. I love you. I will rescue you and redeem you from this man. Not only that, I'm not gonna take you from being slaves to him to being slaves to me. I'm gonna let you be free because I love you and I trust you enough to give you freedom even though you're gonna abuse it. 
And he tells them, hey, I love you enough to not leave those idols and false gods in play that you have worshiped for 400 years, so I'm gonna take them out. And I love you enough that even when you doubt me, you don't trust me, I'm gonna let you see your foe be vanquished before your eyes. So you will know that I am greater and stronger than your foe. And though you don't trust me, I will give you water, I will give you bread, I will give you quail, I will give you all that despite the fact that you don't trust me because I love you, I love you, I love you. And so if you got nothing else from this fall semester, I hope you get how much God loves you. And so we're gonna watch this video and it's a little long, but I think it's worth it. And I want you to imagine that the dad in the video is God and the little boy in the video is you. And this is how God feels about you. So let's watch the video. I love you more. You gonna give me bye-byes? Oh, you can ride tractor after daddy goes. I love you. Give me a hug. Hey, come here and give me a hug. Throw him arms around daddy's neck. Yeah, go up there and stand with mama. Daddy's going. Bye, mama. I love you. Bye. Talk and come back over here, baby. Come here. You can stand here and wave. I love you, Daddy. I love you, sunshine. Bye, Daddy. I love you. 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 Bo Daddy kiss. Stay right here, Colton. Colton, wait. I love you, Daddy. I love you, too. Come here. Colton, come here. No, can't drive right now. You're going to take care of Mama, okay? Not up our mama. I love you, Daddy. I love you, sometime. I love you, Daddy. I love you. Bye-bye, baby. Stay up there. Bye-bye, sunshine. Daddy, yeah, Daddy's going to the big truck. I love you. Bye-bye. Colton, come here. that video you know what so many people on the internet have just praised that kid you know for being so cute but the truth is that kid loves his daddy because his daddy first loved him I mean that dad when the kid's running down the driveway doesn't roll down his window and go son get back up on the porch no he gets on the car he goes come give me a hug and a kiss I love you I love you 
I love you. And what's most amazing about that is that kid's going to become a teenager. <laughs> and if that dad's like our dad, he doesn't stop saying I love you. And he's never stopped saying it to you. So I hope you know over the holidays when you blow up at your mother-in-law or your cousin or your weird sister who's from California. <laughs> we all have them. Or maybe you're struggling with something bigger. You're doubting God or you're going through just the valleys of this life. I want you to remember that your dad loves you no matter what. No matter what. Let me pray for y'all. Lord, we just thank you for your love that is never-ending. And we know that love covers a multitude of sins and that your love ran red and paid for our sins. And that in the fullness of what your son has done for us, that your love and your pleasure towards us never leaves, never wanes, never lessens. So God, you are most worthy to be praised. And so may we always be like that little boy who because of the love that you've first given us responds and love back to you. We love you. Allow our conversations to be pleasing to you today. Allow our hearts, our minds, and our hands to all be spurred on to greater acts of worship for you. It's in your son's name I ask these things. Amen. Bye.